Hello, and welcome to the King Heroes Journey podcast, where I have the great pleasure of being with Mr. Ian Spellman. I think I'm not supposed to say Ian, uh, Mr. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what, Ian, I just noticed while we're setting up, and I'm going to get Rockfin going and waiting for a few people to come on, it um, looks like there's some feedback from your side. So uh, you could check on your settings and remove echo, or you could put a headset on with a mic. That would be another yeah. way to do it. And I'll just mute you for the moment while we're uh, getting the feedback. Sure. You can just yeah, unmute yourself. Okay, there we go. So hello and welcome. And uh, come say hi in the chat. I'm going to go and grab you guys a Rockfin link for anybody who would like to come on the unedited platform. And we're going live there. All right, here you go. So this is the Rockfin link. And if you're already coming on, say hi in the chat. Love to see who's on already. And uh, Rockfin, what are you doing? Oh, Billington O'Bear is here. Excellent. It wouldn't be the same without you. <laughs> That's great. Nice to have you here. And I think we'll just go ahead and, and uh, get started while we're waiting for a few more people to come on. Oh, Glenn Jay is here. Okay. All right. All the good ones are here already. <laughs> so good. All right. Well, I would love to introduce you to Ian Spellman, who is uh, somebody I've had the great pleasure of working with in the past three months. Tommy Rogers is here, by the way. And uh, Ian is, has birthed, he's the creator of something called Lifeology. And this is, uh, to me, very interesting. I met Ian because he got one of those ultimatums that many people in the workaday world are, are getting right now, that uh, you either put a poison injection in your body or you don't get to make a living this way in this institution. And so I have great admiration for those people with enough integrity and courage to move out and, uh, and do the thing that is in you to be done rather than keep you know, begging at the doors of, of Babylon. That's how I would say it anyway. And so if you're not familiar with Ian, I'm going to just do a little bit of a introduction from his About Me page. You can see his website there. Oh, and we got lots of people coming in the room. That's awesome. And so uh, when Ian was six or seven in the mid-90s, he was in his living room watching a television channel and a commercial break began. And uh, he right away created the discrimination that if the commercial was saying two cleaners are the best, that one must be lying <laughs> or one couldn't be true. So that's, I can actually re totally relate to that from my own childhood, noticing those inconsistencies, things that just totally don't add up. And uh, so he pinned that moment and uh, he was struck with the, um, actually, I feel like I might need to just turn it over to you so I don't butcher all of your wonderful page here, but I'm going to share your website and your story in the chat as well, if people want to look in detail. So welcome, Ian. It's so great to have you here. Could you take a few minutes to introduce yourself and share from that moment on when you, you awakened to uh, things weren't exactly as they were being shared with you? Oh, and you're muted. Here we go. Oh, okay. There you are. Everything good? Okay. Everything's yeah, good. thanks, Beth, uh, for having me on, giving me the chance to talk about all this. And um, yeah, the story that we just began there, um, it sort of just goes that I had this vivid memory. Okay, so, so sorry, uh, Ian. I think we've got some um, problems with the headset, maybe. 
So try taking it out. Try taking the headset out. There you go. So yeah, we can hear you. And then and then I'll just uh, we'll just have to mute when we're not talking to avoid the feedback. So you go ahead. Okay. You go ahead. All right. So everyone can hear me now. Sounds good. Okay. All right. So yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on, Beth. Uh, it's awesome to be able to come on here and chat about this. And yeah, to pick up the story from where you just left off. Um, I have this vivid memory from when I was a kid, just sitting and watching some TV show. Uh, and within one commercial break, I see two different commercials go on for two competing brands of, you know, just household cleaner. And both of them just talking about how like, oh, we're the number one brand in America or whatever, whatever they said, I can't, I can't recall the specifics. But whenever I reflect on the question or I'm asked the question by people like, oh, when, how did you start to figure things out? Like uh, you didn't, you know, take the blue pill in modern vernacular. Um, I always pin that moment in my life for whatever reason, the memory stuck with me uh, where I realized like this television that all the adults in my life and everyone seems to think is so great and everyone's just watching it all the time. I'm, I'm seeing like, you know, why those are two statements. Both of them can't be true. One of them is lying. So therefore the TV can lie. Adults can lie. And, you know, it was a gradual process of sort of awakening from there. Obviously that, that didn't do everything for me, but I think that was the catalyst moment in my life to realize that, oh, I've got to actually apply some of my own independent thinking to things. Uh, otherwise, you know, life is going to be just full of these contradictions that I'm just not going to know how to deal with. So, yeah, yeah it's that, that, that fine art of thinking for yourself that many people don't really have. And uh, yeah, so uh, I'll just mute you, but you can unmute when you, when you talk just to avoid the feedback. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Or I'll let you mute yourself so you know you sure, did. How's sure. that? Let's yeah. See that. yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, yeah, so there's uh, that, that discrimination where you allow yourself to actually have an original thought and, and cooperate with your senses instead of just whatever information is being fed to you and, and what, you're, what you're told to believe. Because what I notice what happens when you just believe the thing, and especially when it's those kind of messages that are competing with each other, like they don't, they don't match up, they don't reconcile with each other. And then what do you have to do internally is check out of your senses, of your, uh, your thinking process, your own discrimination, your own intelligence. And so there's there those special uh, children, I consider us all to be among them. There's a little theory that it's, you know, if we start pointing towards the lifeology and what you're studying there, that it might mean we have more predator side to us, that we're more awake. There's more, there's more awareness. That's not, uh, doesn't make us better than anybody. It just might be a symptom. I just had to throw that in. And uh, yeah, so how does this story keep going from there? And you can just unmute when you're ready. Um. Yeah, from there, I mean, it was really just going to be a gradually unfolding process, right, of um, just really starting to pick up on 
just strange little contradictions uh, or things that just seemed illogical to me throughout my life. Um, so my parents always knew me as, you know, at least among my, my brothers, I was the more rebellious one. Um, I chafed against rules much more than anyone else in my family. And uh, I got to a point, it sort of reached its culmination, really, you know, when I got to my teenage years, as it does for, I think, most people, you know, you go through that phase. Uh, so I was uh, doing pretty much everything uh, in my life was uh, centered around just sort of being rebellious and pushing back, not always in the healthiest of ways. That's also an, a huge part of the learning process as you sort of in your process of self-discovery, oftentimes uh, you don't you don't know what to do with it. Um, so I was raised also in uh, quite a religious household, especially by the time I got to my mid-teens. Uh, my family started taking church and everything uh, quite seriously. And uh, so I had the very typical sort of, uh, you know, no, I don't believe this anymore. I'm going hardcore atheist materialist i'm going to start listening to richard dawkins and all those types of folks um around this time i was like getting into you know the the punk movement as well so i, I was in a punk band for a time and uh just sort of getting involved in everything that seemed super anti-establishment to me at the time though luckily by this point in my life i've now realized that even that so-called counter narrative is just very much a part of the, uh, you know, it's it's still a, it's still a part of that whole narrative that we're all sort of forced into. Um, maybe even more so in a lot of ways. Indeed. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to let you guys know that Ian is coming to us live uh, from Thailand. By the way, this is where he lives and works and uh, is building uh, a resort and running a resort that came up. And do you want to tell the story about how that, that came about, how you went from being a school teacher in Thailand to being a, a rock star entrepreneur? <laughs> yeah, right. So I, uh, I first moved out to Thailand in late 2016. Um, so I've been here coming up on five years now. Uh, and really the move was supposed to just be like uh i'm coming here to you know spend a couple months i had a friend out here who had been trying to get me to come out and visit him for quite a while so i was going through um something of a i guess you would call the dark night of the soul uh period of my life back in the states and so i decided okay i need a change of environment for a time so i'll go out there i'll see what it's like and Four and a half years later, here I am. I'm still. Um, so when I got out here, yeah, I did what most um, Caucasian expats do is, you know, you find a job as a teacher. Um, I had, uh, I graduated university. Basically, that's the only qualification you need out here to get started. So uh, I got in, did it actually, you know, liked a lot of aspects of it. You know, I've always been sort of a person who's been drawn to uh, educating people in much more of an informal way. So it was kind of, it was, you know, it's not too bad of a transition for me to get in front of a classroom with a bunch of kids and teenagers. 
and so it was fine uh, for those first couple of years doing it. Um, you know, like any job, there's it's, there's the stresses, but especially once 2020 hit and these psychological operations started um, hitting strong, very strong in Thailand. Uh, I had such a hard time sort of sitting by with it, especially given my background. So I have, I have two science degrees and just seeing the way that scientific language and ideas were being completely abused and misrepresented in order to spread this fear and teach people that in order to be healthy, they needed to do all of these things that are completely counterintuitive to health, like the, the wearing of masks, the social distancing, hand gel in your hands every five seconds. Um, me with a biology and health background, I knew like this is exactly what we're not supposed to be doing all of this. So why, why am I being told that I need to encourage this kind of behavior in the children that I'm being put in charge of helping to develop? Uh, so I was able to get by uh, in the profession for about a year and a half, two years, um, being the sort of black sheep of the schools that I was working at and, you know, being a bit subversive. But eventually it came to a point where uh, I was really just rubbing coworkers the wrong way, coworkers who just didn't understand what was what my decisions were all about. Like I was one of the only people at my school who was refusing to wear a mask. I had, there were a couple others, but they were also, you know, like-minded expats like me. Um, that's anyway, it's just something you don't do in Thailand because uh, we come from, you know, in Canada, Europe, America. Our cultures have this, you know, it's much more ingrained in us that you know, authorities are these things to be very tentatively trusted, if trusted at all. And it's almost seen as like a noble duty that we're supposed to uh, push back against what we see as injustice or logicality. Um, but you come out to Asian cultures, and I'm not trying to, you know, knock their people at all. I love Thailand, I wouldn't have spent, you know, four and a half years living here. And, you know, my wife is Thai now. So I wouldn't have embedded myself so much in this culture if if I didn't love it. But uh, there's this much, there's a very, uh, what can I say, much more collectivist aspect to the way that they think about things. So even if they would agree with me in private, like, oh, yeah, we know that all of this stuff, it's a lie and we shouldn't be doing it. But basically, we still have to do it because people will be uncomfortable if you don't. And I, I just as much as I tried to be understanding and I was, and I have been in a lot of other areas of my life, you know, this certain times I've had to hold my tongue um, before 2020 about certain things that I thought were strange because I said, I'm a guest here. You know, like I've decided to move into this country. Uh, so yeah, but when it came to this and I knew that by just conforming to the rules and then worse, teaching my students that they also had to conform to the rules and telling them things that I knew were lies about this whole so-called pandemic. Uh, I, I couldn't stand idly by with that anymore because I knew, um, you know, these kids are already, the education system is already destroying the minds of children 
and adults <laughs> well before 2020. And I couldn't, I couldn't just uh, sit around and, you know, add a heaping load to that pile. Um, so yeah, in December of 2021, that was when I really just made my exit. Um, I felt like I was being given an ultimatum uh, by my managers, basically start wearing the masks, start telling your kids they've got to wear the masks, or basically you can't work here anymore. And um, so I just, I made my exit there because I said, I'm not looking to cause a stink here. I'm just going to go do my own thing. So since then I've been sort of, uh, I've been developing this project. I've been working with you, Beth, for uh, the majority of that time as well. And yeah. Anyway, you had asked about the resort as well. I know I'm giving a... That's a okay. Way. Yeah, no, that, that's all right. Um, so before we go on to that, I'd love to ask you just about, sure. you know, what's your what's your vision that, first of all, I wanted to say, like, are, are you grateful that this um, situation came up, that you got fired? Are you, are you grateful for that now? Because there's so many people who want to make a move in a certain direction you know everybody has a soul and it pushes up at some level some people allow it to push up some people uh, wait for chaos to turn in that direction and are you glad that things happened the way they did in terms of that receiving that ultimatum yeah um obviously at the time you know it's it was a little bit nerve wracking because I said, oh, geez, if I can't do this, if I really can't in my soul bring myself to go along with this, uh, you know, if I was still if I was back in America and you know, I was a citizen there, we have a lot more, you know, I, I have a much bigger safety net. But here I was like, geez, I'm, you know, I'm in a foreign <clears throat> I'm in a foreign country like I've got a visa to worry about. And, uh, you know, I've got a, I've got a wife. We want to start a family soon. We've got all these plans. Mm -hmm. uh, but ultimately, now that I've started figuring that whole aspect out and um, really seeing all of this work I've been doing for the past few months starting to come to fruition, uh, I couldn't be happier. I, I miss some of my students. That's probably the only thing that's natural as a teacher when you start to build a relationship with them. But other than that, uh, it's it's fantastic, uh, the, the freedom that comes with uh, building your own life. I mean, I'm busier now than I ever have been before. I think, uh, but I still feel freer, obviously, than at any other point in my adult life. Anyway, mm -hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, and it's the sometimes the busyness and even the hardship of it. I often will help people make the distinction between the hardship that has, uh, you know, less purpose or no purpose. And the hardship that is full of purpose and, you know, busyness, because we all find ways to be busy in our life, whether it's uh, full of meaning and purpose or not. And so, again, the, the meaningful busyness is, uh, to me, just heads and shoulders way ahead of, of uh, the meaningless part. So that's really great. And uh, so you've developed a, a process for helping particularly teens and adults go into the life system. I'd like to ask you, what's your vision for education that might be different from the public system that is eating the children, as far as I'm concerned? Mm -hmm. uh, where to begin? You know, I almost feel 
like uh, everything that the education system as it manifests now that they could be doing wrong, they are doing wrong. And they seem to be, uh, you know, doing it, doing so happily uh, from just class sizes that are too big to having a completely, you know, distanced relationship with your teachers. Like there's no real friendship um, that's encouraged most of the time between friendships, uh, sorry, between students and uh, teachers. Uh, the subjects that are A, being taught and B, the way that they're being taught are completely dehumanizing. It strips the sort of, the, I guess you could say like the spiritualism or reason to get excited about most subjects. Uh, you know, there's really everything in our education system is it's like being like educators are taught to educate like robots and then that creates students who then graduate they become like robots uh, right like this factory model style of teaching and, and i sure everyone who's listening here you know they've heard this same idea being uh, shared in so many different ways um but you know when you yeah, I spent a long time in the education system uh, as a student. Um, you know, I spent seven years in university as opposed to the normal four um, and did a lot of things with education before coming to Thailand and then being a teacher. You know, I, I have this, it, seeing it from all these different angles and for this amount of time, I've really, it's been driving home this uh, perspective that a lot of changes definitely need to be made. So you ask about my vision and I'm just seeing an education system where we go back, first of all, to much more of like a mentorship style um, form of educating where, you know, it'll be to the best of our ability, we'll have much smaller class sizes. And part of doing that, I mean, I know we only have so many teachers for so many students, and that's probably why, you know, you have to have so many, but I'd like to see a world where more people who are professionals or who just have some sort of skill feel empowered to just be teaching their own kids or, you know, or just kids that they, they know so that A, students as they're coming up already feel comfortable with their teachers. They don't need to get to know some new stranger every once a year. And, you know, and then it creates a much greater feeling of community, you know, between, you know, the adults in a given place and the kids in a different place, or just people, you know, you know, I say, for example, like one person understands how to, you know, grow food. The other person understands blacksmithing, you know, your currency can just be the knowledge, just share the knowledge uh, with each other teach each other your skills or, you know, uh, whatever, if you have that sort of interest. Uh, and then the, on the other side of things is if we are going to keep this sort of classroom style form of education um, in certain, in, in certain ways, we should be at least not undergirding it with these dogmatic perspectives. So I speak most critically of the materialism that's really infiltrated the sciences and now just about everything else, right? Like, so we, the buzzword for it that we use now is scientism, which is 
essentially the opposite of which is essentially the opposite of science. Um, it's been described as this sort of quasi religion that's built up around the popular perceptions of what science tells us, uh, and also holds that the people that are set up as scientific authorities are basically the new priest class. You're right. I've heard it said before that the uh, the priests of yesterday traded in their black robes for the white lab coats. And, you know, the world just keeps spinning according to their their tools or their perspectives. There you go. Uh, we all we all have a Pink Floyd song in our head now. <laughs> yeah. Teachers. <laughs> Leave them alone. Yeah. Leave those kids alone. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. It's you know, it's coming to the point now where. Uh, and we was talking to Jacqueline Millen about this last night that, um, you know, if we can all flip what what you've done. Uh, to seeing everybody, you know, I'd say we know, we tend to know the damage that's being done, the damage that's been done to our children. And, you know, if we put all of our effort into that future generation, this guy's just doing uh, cartwheels back here <laughs> on me. Um, you know, the, the, the Bible says it's it, like when they were leaving Egypt, if I'm going to get this correct or not, but that um, that all of the gold and silver and, and garments were given to the children. Why? Because they are the future of civilization. And there is nothing without them. Like, how could we even lose sight of it? And it's it's like you already said, it's been a slow drip process over time. Where you know we're feeding more and more of our private life over to the public beast, including you know, and how many how many kids when you drop them off at kindergarten they scream and yell and act like you're trying to kill them because there is a certain kind of a death there going on in that separation. Uh, you know, I've often just been beside myself. Now my child wants to go to school. Darn it. He never did want to go to school pre-pandemic. Now he wants to go to school. Why? Because that's his only point of contact. And, you know, the, the it, it's really, it's a really crazy thing where you, where you think about like this and the, and the schools that locked us out as well, that those people end up with more time with my child than I have. Right. That's that's just a now that's not my choice at this point. He's growing into a certain independence and, and adulthood. And there's only so much I can abduct him and and that kind of thing against his will. So there's a, a natural growing up. But uh, but yeah, I, I just I really applaud your focus in that direction. You could have gone in in different directions. But um, what how, you know, do you, what creates that passion for you to work? And I know specifically with, with teens and, and adults as well. Uh, well, the only reason that I've chosen these age groups, you know, cutting it off at a before or after I would say a certain age um, is only because the program as I'm developing it is going to be touching on certain ideas and concepts that I think might just be beyond the uh, development of kids who are younger. Uh, in the future, I hope and plan to be able to develop something that might be more in line with uh, younger generations. Because, uh, you know, I've been, since I came out to Thailand, I've been teaching majority middle school. And so these are kids, you know, my, my students were mostly between the, like, the ages of seven and 10 out here. 
So I've gotten really used to being able to talk to them. And I've actually taught some, plenty of science classes. I had a horticulture class that I was running uh, for a while. And they're definitely able to get some of it. But as I started really thinking about, you know, my feelings towards these subjects and the, the sort of the, the spiritual fire that they sort of light in me, I realized that in order to really get to the, the heart and soul of it, I need to be able to share these concepts within the life sciences that are a bit more advanced. And so that's really what spurred my, my passion to work with these age groups. It's not because I dislike working with younger kids or that, you know, I'd want to develop something that I wouldn't want to develop something for them. Uh, it's just, it's much easier, I feel like, to make the more advanced, complicated version and then simplify it later. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So good. And I have a, a particular uh, inclination towards that because I myself have a teen and mm -hmm. I'm always trying to crack that nut. So I lived a little, uh, no no selfishness in, in how <laughs> we work together there. Um, and do you want to talk about what lifeology is? Like, what does it mean to you? What, is it, what does it include? And, uh, and what parts of the life sciences you have the most passion for? Sure. Uh, yeah, so the word lifeology just kind of came about as after I started developing the project. And it was more just a matter of playing around with etymology. So I do a lot of, you know, study words, phrases, where they come from. It's just kind of another another sort of hobby passion of mine. Uh, so a lot of people don't realize this, like we're taught, you know, you go through a biology class and everybody knows or everybody's taught, right, that this word translates to the study of life, right? Bio meaning life, ology meaning study of. Um, but uh, when I was actually looking into what the word actually means, the that prefix bio actually refers to um, you know, the events of a person's life. So, right, if you have the word biography, that's a much more uh, accurate use of the, of the prefix bio in a word, but calling this science of, say, like, you know, the plants and the animals and the cells and all that, um, calling that biology is a bit of a misnomer. And it was originally referred to as uh, zoology, right? But zoology now is just the study of animals. We didn't really know what to call it. Uh, when it was being developed as a formal science, you know, whenever, when way back in the day. So, you know, I just sort of, I, I stuck the word lifeology on there just as like a working title for it. But then I just kind of ran with it because I realized that, you know, I'm not just uh, going to be, you know, uh, starting this program with a student. And I think I said, I read someone in the comments just talked about it being like re about regurgitation, repeat and regurgitate um, information. Uh, so that would be, yeah, memorize and regurgitate. There we go, Rich Wells. Yeah, uh, that I think pr those two words probably sum up the education system in a much better way than even I was doing a few minutes ago. Um, I, I hate that. And I hate especially that science education in particular um, has been about that, you know? Uh, so, oh yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I was just going to jump in that, uh, it mm. turned out and, you know, I wasn't much of a science buff myself before this year, but it made us all into science researchers to see 
what where where the lies and uh, what what I discovered along the way is that you have to believe in and this was exactly the narrative believe I believe in the science people people were saying ah well science is not a belief system you shouldn't have to believe something in order to observe it like I know you know <clears throat> and everybody knows here but uh, it's just one of those crazy things that we would why do you, why do you think people um, fall for that or, or, or settle for that might be a better way to say it. Uh, yeah, sure. I would love to, to answer that. Um, just to, to quickly answer the last one where uh, the, that name lifeology came from. Oh, I, I, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. Just so I have all my thoughts out there. Uh, the, so I, I put lifeology out there because I realized what I want my program to be is not just about the, you know, typical biology, life sciences sort of topics where, you know, obviously it's going to be going through um, cells and DNA, all the topics that you would typically encounter in, you know, your average high school or, you know, university introduction course in the subject. But I want to bridge the gap and make those seem like much less abstract concepts that you can't do any with and then connect them like okay you have this information say about like how enzymes work in your cells but what does that actually mean for you how can you how can you use this to better your own life how can you use it to better your health you know how can you apply this say to you know growing your own food right because we're going to be needing to uh, or more people are going to be realizing i'd say in the near future how important that is if they don't already um so yeah, that, that would be the, the long and short of that. Um, as far as people, um, as far as people, you know, going for this whole talismanic phrase the, of, of uh, you know, believing the science, trust the science, whatever. Um, you know, th th this is just, I would say classic, classic hypnosis, classic priestcraft. Um, there, you know, we have this whole society now where we're founded on this belief that, you know, we got to where we are. We have the, this advanced technology. We have such great lives as we believe, um, because of scientific advancements, we're able to make it to where we were because we put aside the the old, you know, superstitions and the spiritualities, and we're able to just see things logically and mathematically, and everything is just a mechanism. Nature is a machine to be harnessed and used. Um, luckily, a lot of people in this, you know, for lack of a better term, this alternative community, so people here are not going to be thinking this way. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing uh, how many people still do, right? Like, I've had lots of conversations with people uh, who still have this sort of perspective and, and if they believe that there's anything inherently beautiful or spiritual about nature it's like they're paying lip service to that idea because it's kind of chic to do so but you don't get the sense that these people really feel it within them that nature is something to go into with awe and respect and and treat treat nature as as your highest teacher um mm. where now people are just like oh you know i want to I'm going to go for a hike in the woods for ex you know, just for the sake of exercise. I'm going to have like earphones in where I'm not even going to listen to the birds. I'm not even going to pay attention to the, the plants and everything. Um, so anyway, as far as the, 
this glomming on to this phrase of uh, trust the science. Yeah, it's, it's funny for me um, because I started really noticing that right away. That was one of the first things about the whole COVID thing that uh, uh, was really raising red flags for me was when people started saying like, oh, we got to trust the doctors. We got to trust the science. And, like, and there's, a, there's been plenty of memes that have gone around at this point. Um, people have probably seen them uh, or people just mentioning this, but um, to actually do science correctly means questioning pretty much every scientific proposal that you come across. If you just say, if, or if you just submit to the these proposals that are being put forth by, you know, this white lab coat pre-starkey that we have, my uh, is just how I understand them, uh, then you're essentially no different from the, you know, religious zealot of yesteryear. Um, and, but people love that. People are desperate to sort of turn off this uh, intellectual responsibility, I think, that we have to, uh, to really think, to think critically and to really investigate and uh, to arrest your belief in these institutions that we've been really raised and conditioned, almost hypnotized into believing without question. And, you know, that's a process for all of us to wake up to um, this idea that these authorities that we've been told throughout our lives are, you know, more enlightened than us. They have our best interests at heart. They're always going to do well by us. And now a huge part of this awakening process is to realize like, oh no, like this scientific institution that we have is just as corruptible as everything else. Uh, and they, they use these hypnotic phrases just to sort of capture people, to keep people from wanting to step too far outside of the box. You know, people, uh, I believe, and here I'm actually going to quote a scientific study that I'd have to find, but um, I'd read at one point that it was found people display a larger fear of dying than they do or sorry they they are less scared of dying than they are of um, social ostracization so if you're able to rally people around some sort of sacred idea um, and this sacred idea you can just you know tack on disingenuously the word science and everyone rallies around it you can like these controllers can really just sit back and effortlessly realize like the majority of people are just going to go along with this and they're going to consider themselves wise and enlightened by doing so. And then anyone who actually employs science in the correct way, oh, we can just, you know, label them a conspiracy theorist. We can label them, you know, you know, they're spreading misinformation, they're backwards thinking, you know, whatever, they're a million different terms for the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. And, and uh, my take on it also, they're trying to kill God, right? So t discredit God, discredit the Bible or wherever people are coming from. And, and then, and that, and then that's why you have to believe in science just the way. And, and for me, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. God's like right here. There's nothing to believe or not believe. And God doesn't depend on my belief either right? Whether I believe or I don't believe that doesn't shift or change anything there. And so that's what I notice that people have this, uh, that religious, re religious, religiosity, I guess is, is the word for science, where, where they go, you know, you, I, I just remember a, a girlfriend of mine, look, I love science. There was just this like, 
kind of experience that she was having. And, uh, you know, it's uh, unfortunately debilitates people. And it's like you and others were saying that there is a certain hypnosis. Otherwise, you can't participate. It just because as soon as you come up against something that doesn't make sense, then then all you do is ask questions that nobody likes. Somebody else said in the chat that, uh, what was it? Just that you get, you do get ostracized, which is, I, I, yeah, perceived as a death sentence. Spellington said uh, when they rely on that system provide to provide for them. And yeah, I think that's one of the reasons that we are in the pickle that we are, because there's been more of an illusion of being able to exist outside of that, but never really preparing people for, what that means or what that is. And so that's why I'm definitely excited about your work. And uh, I know you've taken on a lot of activity. I know you've got busy like crazy and going through, you know, the hardship of breaking ground, literally. That's what the word entrepreneur means. It's pioneer is the archetype underneath it. And uh, it takes a lot of extra energy to break ground to where there was nothing, you're making something. And so what makes it worth it for you to go through the investment and hard work? For this program in particular, it's very vocational. Um, I can now really explore these topics that I'm passionate about. Um, and I can share very, I would say, very useful knowledge. I can take this set of information that a lot of people beforehand would have thought is just completely useless, you know, like the anatomy of a cell, for example. Um, and, you know, I can, I can take this stuff and make it useful for people. And because... I see that a lot of people now in this alternative movement are really starting to reconnect with health. For example, like, first of all, the, you know, as you said, everyone had to become these science researchers sort of overnight so that we could understand these injections that they started rolling out. Um, but within, the, within that comes a lot of, unfor unfortunately, I have to say, like, there's, there's some misunderstandings as well, I think, of how the scientific process works, um, where, you know, people are sort of attaching themselves anytime any new theory comes about. That's the only the only thing people really need in order to accept it is that it runs against the established theory. Right. So. I'd liked, I'm really excited about the idea of actually in being able to show the alternative community, like this is how the scientific process works. And this is how you can really sharpen your skills and sharpen your discernment when it comes to not only the bad and wrong ideas that the mainstream institutions are telling you, but also the bad and wrong ideas that might be coming from the alternative community, right? Because if you believed every single so-called conspiracy theory out there, it would be completely contradictory. You know, there's a new one every single day. And it, it mostly just seems like they're they're coming and going like fads. And um, I mean, I'm not saying everyone is doing this, obviously, but there's enough people where they're gaining ground, you know, on, and on platforms like Telegram, where they're being passed around. And it's fine, because I think all ideas do need to be brought to the table so that you can separate the truth from the untruth. Uh, so I think that in order applying these sort of these skills and this knowledge base to the alternative community will allow people to sharpen their discernment. 
a bit more. And then also, you know, it gives me uh, it gives me an excuse to just talk about what I love with people who I'm sure are going to be awesome and like minded. Um, whereas before, you know, taking jobs as a teacher, you know, even though I was teaching some science classes, the majority of what I was doing was just teaching like English grammar uh, to kids and, you know, not knocking the people who love doing that. I'm sure, you know, it, it's important. It has its applications, um, but it got boring really quickly. So the, the fact that I get to be free, be much more free, uh, set my own schedule, set my own time, doing something that I love, talking to people who I know are going to be like-minded, who I know are going to have a thirst for this kind of knowledge, who are already looking for ways to become more spiritually in tune with the world around them and with themselves and improve their health. Uh, you know, I can't think of anything that I'd rather be doing than, than this right now. So really all those things that, that drives me. Amazing. Yeah. So good. So good. That's beautiful. And so I want to ask you about the land that you're on, but first, how do you work with students and clients? I know you've built out a new curriculum and if you want to talk about that a little bit, what the nature of it is, maybe some of the details of things that you that you cover, or just broad subjects, I should say, not uh, necessarily nitty gritty or as as much yeah. as detail as you like. Yeah, yeah, I won't I won't spoil anything for anyone. But <laughs> so the the program itself, first of all, uh, the way that I'd be teaching would be one on one online sessions. For now, obviously, I'd love to come and you know teach you guys or you know if you have um, some kids that you're looking to give some homeschooling to you know obviously doing it in person is always better but right now the commute between thailand and america or thailand and canada is a little rough uh, so online is going to be the way to go and they're going to be one-on-one -on -one to uh, very small group sessions i would say no more than like three or four students at a time um, just so that we have that uh, much more you know close relationship so students are much more comfortable to to ask questions to um go off on other topics that might be related or maybe even unrelated to what we're talking about so long as we can find a way to connect it um so yeah th that's really how i'm going to be teaching and i'm going to do my best to um retire from the authoritative structures of being a teacher that we that we as educators were always taught to uh, to uh, display. So, you know, just allowing the students to, you know, take what I've given them and sort of run with it, right? If there's some topic that comes up in the midst of our conversations that they want to explore, you know, I'm totally fine with, you know, taking a class session to explore some other topic that might not even be in a typical biology curriculum. Um, if it, if it's in some way relevant to uh, what we're talking about. Um, as far as the, the curriculum or the program that I've been building out though, um, so as I said, it's going to start with your basic topics that you're going to be encountering in uh, your average biology classroom. So starting with talking about, you know, this is a this is a cell. These are the different types of cells. This is what you find in a cell. It's how it works. Um, 
we'll be talking about genetics and DNA, um, all the way up to, you know, whole organism level ecology, um, uh, ecology topics and pretty much everything in between. Um, but the major difference is that I'm going to be inter interjecting or interweaving might be a better word for it. Um, these perspectives that will allow people to see it in a much more spiritual light. And I'm not going to teach anything that we, anything in the textbooks, like as if it was some sort of dogmatic truth. That's another thing that I've been learning as I've even just started really getting back into these subjects as well, like just going into the basics of cell biology. How many of the things uh, that we were taught in university or in high school, like, you know, this is the anatomy of the cell, right? They have these organelles in them and uh, that's just what it is. And then realizing like even very basic things like that have been called into question. So we actually know a lot less about living systems than scientists like to pat themselves on the back for and then put into some giant tome of a textbook and say, this is it, this is the truth. So I want to try and impress on students just how much is actually unknown, how much is still being discovered in science. So giving them one perspective on a topic and then maybe in the next class or during the same session, giving them the opposing view. You know, the great, the best example that I think people have really started getting into now in this alternative community is the whole debate between germ theory and terrain theory. You know, whereas we're, you know, I, I, I have this, as I said, I, I went to university for biology. I got my degree in it. And not once in my entire career studying was the phrase terrain theory ever even brought up. It's just assumed that, nope, germ theory is what it is. You know, there's, there's, there's really no other perspective that's even worth considering. Everything else is just a relic of the past. And then to only after graduating from university, starting to learn about this brand new theory, which in so many ways makes way more sense than the typical pathogen germ theory of disease, like everything that's microscopic is out to kill you uh, kind of idea. Um, yeah, so just exploring, uh, exploring those ideas. I mean, I'm not going to be trying overly hard to sell one over the other, um, because I think, you know, every theory has its merits. There's always going to be some kernel of truth, even to the false theory. So um, I want to I want to be able to introduce students to as many different perspectives within science as possible is really what I'm getting at. And retiring away from this uh, materialist reductionist paradigm that undergirds the sciences, sciences as well is a huge, um, is a huge goal of mine. And uh, sorry, I can't remember the rest of your question there. Not sure. Oh, that's lost. okay. I, I just noticed also a really good comment. There should never be an age of not learning, growing, and teaching. I totally resonate with yeah. that. Thanks for the three best yeah. living. <clears throat> so, Ian, I'm going to put you on the spot right now because I got a, a desperate cat. As usual, right? Every session we had, I had to interrupt for my cat for one reason or another. So just sure. so in case you, you think you're uh, in, in a different world here. And so I'm going to let you talk for a minute. I'm hearing you, but I'll just be right back. Apologies. Sure. All right. So let's see, where can I go from there? And I can um, give you a question if it helps. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Because I, I think I didn't completely answer all the questions you asked before. So how can I keep going with that? 
Yeah. So how, how are you, how you work with your students and clients and, and who are they? What, what, you know, you, you have a very definite idea of who they are. Do you want to describe those? Yeah. And there's definitely people already uh, asking about your website and that kind of thing. So we'll share more about how they can take you up on learning more about your work. So I will be right back. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, the people that I'm looking to work with, obviously, first first and foremost, they're going to already be, they would probably have to consider themselves already within this alternative community, um, just because I'm only going to have a limited amount of time, and I don't think that it would be worth my time or anyone else's if I had to spend a lot of energy uh, sort of trying to bring people around to this perspective that they can't just trust mainstream institutions. So anyone who's going to be listening to Beth's podcast, I think already ticks that box. Uh, as far as the ideal clients go, though, uh, I would be mainly, at least to start, I'm looking for essentially parents who are fed up with the indoctrination that their kids are getting when they go into public schools or even a lot of private schools, right? Like even private schools are guilty of doing a lot of this brainwashing in a lot of ways and are, you know, looking for a teacher who can both work with their students one-on-one, -on -one, um, help them develop their understanding of science and their critical thinking skills, as well as give them knowledge that they can apply both to their own personal health nutrition, uh, and empower them to, you know, start growing their own food, right? Like I'm big into, and I was going to talk about later, I'm big into permaculture and ecological restoration. So empowering students to get involved with projects related to that or starting their own would be even better. Um, <clears throat> and I'm seeing, yeah, someone, Michelle, uh, your daughter's nine. She asked some pretty in-depth questions. Uh, I'm definitely willing to consider kids who are maybe a little bit younger, but who are intellectually advanced, you know, so um, I'd be very willing to um, have you and them maybe fill out an application and uh, maybe have a meeting with you and see if that could work. You know, I'm not totally opposed to like, I don't have a very strict age cutoff. I'm just more talking in terms of uh, intellectual capacity and ability. Um, so yeah, we could talk more about that. It's a great um, so. distinction, right? Because everything in the public has been on this, like, say, say my son was born one day earlier, he would have been a grade ahead. Now, what's that? Right, a whole entire grade. It's actually been good for him to be in a, an environment where he's more of a know-it-all and you know not always behind. I was more. I was born at the end of the year, so I was always behind developmentally. And uh, you know who knows which is which is better for you. But uh, but the fact that you will just based on each individual um, child's merit, you know where they're at, what what questions they're able to ask themselves or to, to be asked. And, uh, you know, it's just, this is nature's way. It's not, it's not based on some accounting, some numerical label that has any inherent truth in it. I mean, obviously there's, you know, age ranges and that kind of thing, 
my dream personally for for school they do it they do it a little bit of combining grades but that's really just about uh, you know moving around pieces on the playing board that's not that's not trying to actually facilitate anything organic but when i have seen children in, interact of multiple ages all of a sudden there turns into this uh you know again organic movement of where you know the three-year-old is the two-year-old's teacher and then the 10-year-old comes along and the three-year-old really wants to follow that 10-year-old around and know what they know and and be learned you know so there's there's just this beautiful movement that can take place among among those ages and then you know we're all somebody's teacher we're all somebody's student and i think that never stops as far as i'm concerned yeah i mean one of the best things that we can do as both adults and educators is kind of just get out of the kids ways and let them just you know explore things naturally that's the best way to learn but this idea of like breaking uh grade levels up into these strict uh into these age groups and saying, no, you have to study um, along this path, do this topic at this time. I mean, what better way to dehumanize and roboticize people um, than to say you basically have to fit into this mold? Uh, anyone who's done even five minutes of homework into human psychology knows that's never going to work. Uh, everyone, as cliche as this is, everyone is extremely unique and develop different capacities at different paces. So yeah, that, that this, yeah. So yeah, that would just be another, another way that the education system is failing us and something that I'd be hoping to uh, rectify uh, with this program. So yeah, don't be shy. If you know, your kid's not quite in middle school yet, I'd, I'd still be willing to uh, consider that. As I said, I just sort of give that age group as sort of a, a guide for what the capability um, of the students that I'm looking for should be, you know, I, you know, if they're like, you know, three years old and they're still learning to speak English, obviously, you know, we're going a bit, going a bit too low there. I don't think that would work, but, uh, just so long as they have the capacity to, um, ask, to formulate questions, ask questions, and you think they can understand, um, these higher principles and, and everything, uh, you know, I'd be willing to give them some consideration. Yeah, one of the things that I was intrigued with in your system of how you're working is that you actually address relationships, which are uh, also very key and a huge part of life, right? Like we literally, as human beings, we, we don't have a life without relationships. We don't have a life without a connection to community. And uh, I often think we're much more like geese than we are like, uh, you know, lions. We're, we're social animals and we love each other. We love to spend time with each other. It can completely change your day just to connect with someone and, and tell them what went on in that day. So you're not in, a, in an echo chamber of your own head and your own experiences. And uh, yeah, so how do you approach that then? And, and what inspired you to help them with relationships as well? Yeah, right. That was another thing that I was... Uh... Uh, going to get into. So thanks for asking. We can mm -hmm. now work that in. Uh, so after I go through the uh, the more typical science-related topics, later in the program, um, I also have these other modules that I'm working on and uh, will hopefully be able to offer um, by the time I really start rolling this out. Uh, we'll be much more focused on the 
sort of biography side of life, right? So um, as Beth said, um, developing programs where we're able to talk about interpersonal relationships. So not just like how does nature work, how do living things work on this sort of like biochemistry level and all that stuff, all that's good. But then we'd be um, transitioning then into um, topics that are more related to, you know, how do you deal with life itself? How do you deal with other people? How do you deal with adversity? Um, how can you sort of develop your, your heroic potential in order to actually take the things that you know, both from the course that I'm teaching and just from anything else you learn? How do you take your knowledge and actually uh, have the confidence to be able to apply it to the world around you? Because, you know, especially younger kids nowadays, uh, teenagers who are coming up, um, even more so than uh, my generation in my day. I'm not, I'm only 31. You know, it hasn't been that long since I've been in school, but I've just noticed the change now between kids who are just coming out of high school or going through high school now. And just how strange and insane the world has become. And, you know, we have uh, suicide rates are, we're already climbing. And now they're, they're going exponential because people just don't know how to deal with life. They don't have any inner fortitude. And, you know, it's, of course, it's everyone's responsibility to sort of claim that sword uh, and, and everything. But we'd be blinding ourselves if we weren't, you know, able to see that there are things working against us. There are people. I like to think of them as pseudo people who are working against us, the people who are sort of in charge of this architecture of control. Um, they, they want to keep people in that state. You know, they're, they're, you know, loving, I'm sure, the fact that so many people are offing themselves um, because they're so terrified and, and decentered from, from the world that we're in. So anyway, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just a very big fan of being able to take abstract knowledge, as I keep saying, and apply it to the real world. Because there's, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. We only live for so many years. If we're just filling our heads with trivia about like what the endoplasmic reticulum is, uh, then it's not going to do anyone really any good, unless you're some career scientist. There's like a huge glare right now with my computer. Um, totally fine by us. It looks looks nice. Oh, okay. Was, yeah, yeah. As you like, um, but yeah, 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 it makes you blind. <laughs> um, so, yeah, where was I? Yeah, so that that's really um, a, a huge goal of this program is um, to give my students a more holistic understanding of life, not just from this, uh, you know, chemical, mechanistic, ecological way of looking at things, but then also, you know, just like, how do you live your life? Mm -hmm. And so th those modules are going to be much more um, applicable, I think, to say the, the teenage students that I have, but I'm more than willing to also run through them uh, with adults because that can end up in some really awesome self-developmental conversations. Mm -hmm. um, I can run these, yeah, I can run these ideas by them. And, um, and then another thing I want to say is, uh, this is another cliche, but it's also something that's very true, is that as a teacher, you have to understand that sometimes your students are also your teacher in return. So another reason why I want to run this program on a very like one-to-one -one or small group conversational basis is I know it doesn't matter how old my student is, if they're nine or all the way up to 99, 
um, anyone has something that they could teach me, right? They could help me refine the system. They could give me a different perspective on these things that I had never known about before. And then I could work it into the modules for students who come later. I could give them and I could, you know, give them credit, you know, for, you know, contributing something, something to the system. So I, I'm very much looking forward to just sort of being able to talk to these, talk about these topics, maybe lead the conversation a little bit, but give my students free reign to sort of share their thoughts and contribute what they can. So, you know, at the end of the day, that's really all teaching is supposed to be is this conversation between people. And we've forgotten that. Amazing. You're such a rebel, Ian. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I was waiting for a moment to say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's such a comfort to me, actually. And I think you're really at the uh, beginning of a, a major wave of, you know, the more unbearable the system becomes, the the less able, like there will come a time where I just literally put my foot down and my son is not going to set foot in that institution because the conditions are not pro-life, right? Which that, that phrase has been stolen, unfortunately. Yep. But uh, life is the most sacred thing. And there's, uh, you know, a lot of numbing out to the value of life. And that's, you know, in the, in the, in more in the developed world, I remember I spent time when I spent time in Nepal and India, for example, uh, they don't have pet dogs as pets there. That that's just, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. And in, in fact, I think they're smarter in some ways, but they would end up with packs of wild dogs running and then they were treated to be an enemy and people would beat those dogs ruthlessly to keep them from, you know, uh, attacking, of course, totally untrained. And they think that they are the, the, the pack leader. That's what their species naturally does is somebody's, somebody's the leader and they're in charge. And you just saw the very different value. Now we might just have the luxury for valuing pets. And I think that's a whole psyop that we have pets actually, now that I'm uh, in this situation and how much it ties us up and makes us you know, kind of placates our need for real unconditional love and relationships in our life. Not to say your animal isn't a, isn't a real relationship. Of course it is. I know I'll get lots of uh, backlash for that. But the, the value of the human connection, this is not replaceable. And this is the thing that if it dies, which, which we can see controllers want to completely snuff out the connection, hence the social distancing and, you know, getting everybody behind a screen, uh, separating you from even within your own school, kids are just sort of locked into a, a cohort, not, not able to explore, although that changed for us this year slightly now they're they're threatening again starting to publish statistics about all the dead people and all of the new cases and all the new bullshit but uh you know for five minutes they've got a little bit more of an organic situation where they can just walk in and out of a class and go in any direction they want and that kind of thing it's just amazing again our standards have been so so dumbed down to tolerate all of that kind of nonsense. So here you are at the beginning of what I consider to be an absolutely massive trend. Our children are our priority. There is no future for humanity if we don't make them our priority. Uh, so I know it's humbling. We all have our own situations and, you know, it certainly humbles me every single day, but I'm glad you're out there, Ian. Oh, cheers, Beth. Thanks. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, nothing has convinced me more in my own life uh, that my my own kids, when I have them in the near future, uh, have to be homeschooled or unschooled. 
nothing has convinced me that that's the case more than actually working in schools and just seeing how they're run. Um, we really, at least until, you know, we have some sort of education system, community-based education system that we know we can trust. Um, we're just at a point in history now where we need to be taking our kids back. And if you can't teach them yourselves, right, then at least put them in contact with someone who you know you can trust. Mm -hmm. um, that's a huge thing. It's like education institutions and the vast majority of teachers, unfortunately, have shown that they do not deserve parents' trust. Um, mm -hmm. I know like there's the, there's the whole thing about like, you know, the, you know, teaching about sexuality and transgenderism to kids when they're like in kindergarten back in the West. And it's just like, you look at that and you're just like, what is going on? Like, how did we fall so far? Uh, so, yeah, so really, um, this, this is very much, uh, this program is trying to get at the forefront of this. I know the, uh, the rates of parents pulling their kids out of schools now is at an all-time high for obvious reasons, many of which you just mentioned. So my program, um, at least so far as how I can help parents with it, is, you know, a lot of parents they want to take their kids out of school, but they've never homeschooled before. And a lot of them are intimidated. You know, I've been told as I've been sort of talking to parents about this and interviewing about them, they're intimidated by the fact that like, oh, I've got to teach these things that I haven't learned about in like 20 or 30 years. You know, a, a, a topic like biology alone, all of these things, like this is, it's not just an easy thing that you can pick up. Like you might be able to read a book with your kid. That's fine. Um, but, you know, can you can any average parent, you know, give a proper, you know, lecture on, you know, how on how chemistry works? So that's why I think we're going to need uh, teachers within this alternative community who have this sort of vision for what education should be, what it could have been and probably at in times past what it was trying to rebirth that and then can actually share their knowledge. And I don't ever want to have an alienated relationship from the parents of my students as well. The relationship with the parents is just as important as it is with the kids. So obviously, you know, this is the first time a lot of people here have even learned my name. I'm not going to ask them like, you know, like, oh, you can trust me. Like, no, of course, we need to develop and harbor a relationship together as well so that you can know like that I I would be able to uh, teach your children in a way that's going to work for you. Um, or if, you know, you're an adult and you're my student, that'll be much easier to, to broach. But yeah, um, if, uh, if, if I ever do work with you if, or if I work with your kids, um, please uh, do not ever hesitate to, uh, to reach out with any questions, any comments, any ideas. Um, I want to get to know you guys as well. Um, that would be my sort of pitch there. Yeah. That's so awesome. As you know, we've been studying the um, nature of the, the private domain. I'm in the process now of creating my uh, PMA myself. And the whole, it's just what you're talking about. The whole foundation of it is relationships, right? So it's, it's a really different thing where you're just maybe, you know, some people have got into high-speed lead generation. I'm a business coach, so I'm not against that. But when you have, you know, 100 people or 500 people or 1,000 people rolling through your door every day, then you don't know them from Adam. You have no idea. 
right? And in this this time has taught me to be more discriminating than ever. And and kind of, I mean, people still can obviously sign up at my website. That will change. Things will change. You won't be able to actually do uh, near anything with me in my world without becoming a member of my private association. In the in the meantime, people can do that, but uh, that's going to require more effort on my part. And not like I lack for this in any way either, but in in just you know vetting and screening and going, who are you? What do you value? What do you? Why do you want to be here? Why does it matter to you? And and opening up that dialogue that will be the basis for an ongoing actual relationship where we're related, where we feel connected. And it's not, I always say, you know, it's not about trusting, say, you as a teacher or trusting me as a coach or all of those kind of things. It's that you, it's through the relationship that you have enough basis and, and information to make decisions on a moment to moment basis because people do change right? You know, there, there were people that had integrity up until a point, And then you, you know, they got threatened to an nth degree that they considered their line in the sand, and then they don't, they're not there anymore, or the opposite. They use these circumstances as a way to go, oh, wow, I have way more integrity than they're uh, certainly going to be reflecting back to me if I do what they say. And so yeah, the relationships are, are truly the gold that we have to build on so that's awesome that you're you're really in tune with that. And uh, so I was just going to ask the chat. I think I've missed some comments here already. But do you have any questions for Ian as we uh, just start to wrap up? I think I'm I'm nearly out of questions on my side. And Ian, if there's anything in addition that I didn't ask you that you want to share, so while we're waiting for if there's any questions, anything else you wanted to? Yeah, I'll give people. I'll give people a chance to shoot something out if they're curious about anything or if mm -hmm. I haven't covered things. I know mm -hmm. there's probably, there's a lot I'd like to say that I don't think I've gotten to yet, but let's be. And actually we haven't talked about your resort very much. What's it like oh, there yeah. today? Yeah. So you're in Thailand and <clears throat> maybe you'll have to come on another time and give us a, a tour if you ever have good enough connection throughout your Yeah. Yeah. That's there. another thing you got to work with. Um, mm -hmm. And that is on your telegram group, by the way. So if you go to, uh, Ian's website and you sign up, just send him a shoot, uh, shoot him a, a short note. And that's how you can get the telegram link to sign up for his group where he's doing a play by play on all of the developments there. Yes. Um, yeah, as Beth said, uh, I would love to, I have a, I have this telegram group, but, um, just for many of the same reasons that Beth just covered, uh, I'm, I've decided to uh, make it private, but anyone who's in here, I'm sure if you're, you're already going to be um, within the mindset that I think would be, uh, be the type of person that I would like to have in here. So yeah, just go to the website, uh, fill out the contact form, um, and then I can get you a link to the uh, private telegram group and you can follow uh, what's going on here. So uh, this resort, um, I guess I should actually, uh, talk a little bit about Thailand because um, mm -hmm. to lead into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, Thailand's response to the whole COVID thing has just been uh, much more intense, or I wouldn't say more intense, um, intense in different ways, because at least back home, uh, we all, people have, you know, it's, it's within the public conversation that there's a good percentage and has been a good percentage of people who have been calling out the bullshit from the beginning 
in Thailand, I mentioned earlier, people just don't do that. Even if they know that it's that it's bullshit, they don't say anything because no one wants to rock the boat here. Um, so dealing with that has been uh, really interesting because, you know, I, I try to bring up with Thai people like, oh, you know, you really shouldn't be wearing those masks. And you're just met with like this nervous laughter, like, oh, OK. <laughs> and they just wear them anyway and all these things. So um, uh, basically what happened with this resort, I was living in Bangkok for most of the time that I was here. Uh, you know, that's just where most people end up going or at least where they start out. That's where the teaching jobs are. Um, it's where the ease of living is. You know, there's plenty of other cities and towns and stuff you can go to in, in Thailand that are very easy to live in as a foreigner. Um, this is actually, this is a very friendly and peaceful country in a lot of ways, if anyone has not been here. Um, uh, so what ended up happening is shortly after I left my job at the school, my wife and I we're just sort of realizing like, uh, you know, we've got a, we've got this dream to sort of be independent, um, both financially and just with our time, we want to do our own thing. She had already quit her job. She used to work as like a, as an insurance salesman coach and uh, just, she couldn't stand that either. So we just wanted to do our own thing. We happened to just have some family friend connections uh, to this bit of property out here. Um, it's in this province called uh, Nakhon Ratchasima. So it's sort of going, it's about three and a half, three and a half hours drive uh, northeast out of Bangkok. If you guys were to look it up on a map. So um, we are now running this business, uh, renting it now, but we may buy it in the future once we can come up with a, a deal for that. Um, and my goal with it is has been to integrate a lot of these uh, permacultural ideas that I've always had sort of brewing in the back of my in the back of my mind. Right. Because my concentration when I was studying biology in university was ecology. And so I got really, really into this topic, but I've never had a place to actually have as a playground um, to really start to do all these things. So I'm trying to uh, turn this place into a permacultural and ecological sort of uh, education center. So I can maybe run a lot of these lessons that I'm developing with the Lifeology program. I can run them out of here in person, maybe with locals or with tourists and visitors. Um, right now, uh, as we're sort of getting this place up the uh, off the ground and trying to generate revenue, uh, we're really just a restaurant and camping ground right now. Um, but as we, as we sort of start to make some of the investment back that we put into this place, we'll be uh, starting to develop that. So yeah, as, as I said, it's uh, probably better to be able to see it in person. And I do a lot of tours of it in that Telegram group so you guys can see exactly what it is that I'm working on here or working with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that was one of the reasons I was inspired to have you on because just watching those videos, they were so engaging. I'd put them on and 45 minutes later, I was still watching and I'm like, okay, well, this is... Uh, like a really good thing. And so I'm just going to check the chat and see there's uh, those comments. And I'm not sure if there's questions you could. I like Billington's uh, comment with responsibility. A great responsibility comes with great power. Indeed, it does. It's just one of those things. If you don't if you don't want one, you don't get the other. And uh, yeah, compartmentalizing does make for dumb people. True, true enough. Right. The um, 
the silos, those those individual things. That's one of the things that I help people to to pull more of themselves into their work, so that your your service, which is ultimately to humanity, doesn't have to be just bits and pieces of yourself and parts. And and so you know we are whole beings, but this is something that nobody has any actual experience with. Because if you have multiple talents and passions and interests, then they call you not focused. But this is whole, like, right? Go ahead. Yeah. Compartmentalization is huge uh, because that's, right, for the, for the architects, that's, uh, that's very economically functional. If they can have people who are so tunnel visioned and skilled at performing uh, very particular tasks, but aren't able to look outside of that box. That's a very easy person to control. Yes. Um, but if you have a holistic understanding of life and, and, you know, you, if you have a million and one different passions and things that you want to learn about and do, first of all, you're never going to be bored. That's, mm -hmm. that's a huge thing is like you're, if you're, if you're interested in any topic under the sun, then it's like, you don't have time during the day to be bored. Um, and then it just makes you dangerous because then you, you know, you're not going to be easy to fool. If your whole mission in life is to gather as much knowledge and as much wisdom as you possibly can, both from without like the extroverted form of going out and seeking out knowledge, things other people have written, other discoveries other people have made, but then also knowing how to uh, go within yourself, do that inner work and intuit things, have that have this holistic gathering of knowledge, like you're a very powerful being that is going to be very difficult to control. Yeah. There you so, go. Amen to that. Yeah. Yeah. I came up with that phrase a few months ago that uh, I am unfuckwithable. Right. Yeah. And it was as much of a decision as a, like just describing myself because I've been fucked with. I know that a lot, not, you know, not necessarily as much in this lifetime, but I just decided that's it. You know, there's no, there's no price that will make me go outside of my own knowing and integrity. And I'm willing to give my life for it if it comes down to it. So, so uh, would you give a thief access to the entrance to your home? I don't think that question is for you. That sounds rhetorical. Sure, sure. <laughs> Michelle said, <laughs> says, thank you, Beth and Ian. This, uh, this is no, a trend. For the record. No, for the record. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is a trend that we'll need to develop and continue. We'll need to put those kids out of B schools. And she feels inspired by this interview to connect with her community. Amazing. Michelle J. That's awesome. Good for you. And uh, another, another uh, Michelle was here. Fantastic interview. Thanks to both. That's awesome. And uh, Dr. Bass Ackwards. Oh, I love your name. That's awesome. What's the yeah, deal with all the dirty books and school libraries? I know, like, there's just... That's so disheartening. I just want to throw up when I even think about it. Getting, you know, because development is such a big subject. And there's a reason why you're not bringing younger children into those subjects because they don't have any capacity. They've got the biology. They just don't have the, the, the mental, emotional capacity right. to handle it. And there's no understanding and there's no boundaries. So they don't, they don't even know that they're, you know, fully individuated. They have no basis for that yet. Right. So anyway, don't get me started on that. And uh, Dunbar, hi. Nice. You agree. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, Dunbar. Nice to see you. Carolyn's chiming in saying that's all right. 
and um, that's where discernment comes in. Uh, truth is true regardless of who wields it. Nefarious people try to invert truth, discernment, and critical thinking is the armor of God against it. Beautiful, Billington. I love that. Uh, all the needed information is there, but it's scattered like a puzzle. Truly, truly. And that's to me why we have to work together because personally, I don't have all the answers and Ian's got answers I don't have. And I had some answers he didn't have. And then together we worked, we worked really well as far as I uh, experienced and could tell. And you're extremely creative in the process. Uh, I always am shouting. Mm, good, good. I'm so glad. What was great about it? <laughs> I just serve myself for a sec. Well, uh, sure. I mean, I mean, I, I, I found out about Beth's work uh, through the Unslaves podcast, if anyone knows about that. Um, great one. I, I, I would uh, recommend checking out. Um, and it took me a few months uh, to uh, reach out to her. Really, it coincided with me leaving my job. And uh, I knew that I had some very vague ideas about what I wanted to do. But um, being able to have someone that I was regularly uh, meeting with, someone with her sort of background experience, as well as her perspectives on things, right? Like the internet is awash with, you know, self-proclaimed business coaches or whatever who might have been able to offer me some direction. Um, but just to have someone who I knew right away, just from the way she presented herself the first time I heard an interview with her, um, that she was authentic um, and she had like, the, she really had this legitimate passion to um, see people develop as individuals and to, you know, help the, the world, I guess, as it were, come into um, a better place to come through all the, the sludge of uh, this dark window period of time, I like to call it, and come out back on the other side in a much better way. So um, just seeing that she really had all those same values as me. And then, you know, I had all these sorts of questions about like, you know, how, how how do I avoid these pitfalls of starting a business? Like I never went to business school. I've never had to do this. I wasn't raised in a family where, uh, you know, people were, you know, running their own businesses really. Like I'd always had this employee mindset until I was forced not to. So being able to meet with someone that was able to give me this uh, direction as well as just sort of refine the decisions that I was making, just so that I wasn't making decisions that were going to come back and bite me in the ass or um, just be bad ones in some way, you know, uh, just kind of, it was just good to have a mentor, I would say, uh, to sum that up, uh, who really knows what they were talking about and um, wanted to see this come about just as much as I did. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, it was totally my honor to work with you. And uh, just for the record, I don't help anybody sell widgets right? That's just not, I've absolutely zero interest. And that's, it's also a beautiful thing about the whole PMA thing, because you can't just take a business and bring it into the private. Private Membership Association truly is about service, giving service to the community, taking over functions that either the public is failing at, or it already failed and is not providing that. And then we take responsibility for moving forward with it in a way that's that's going to bring benefit, that is purposeful, 
right? That's what I learned on my deathbed, that we all have a sacred purpose. Some of us, such as yourself, Ian, are allowing it to come up. You didn't have to do what you're doing right now. You could have taken, quote unquote, easier paths. But at some point, things flip and you listen to your soul more than you listen to the fears right? That becomes more important to you. And that's the people that I love because you're willing to risk for the right thing. And uh, yeah, just your values and everything. I found it incredibly inspiring to watch you grow your world. Yeah. Oh, cheers for that, Beth. I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I had just gotten to a point as I keep mentioning, like uh, I, I couldn't go along with it anymore. And I felt like I would rather be dead than to tolerate the lies that I was seeing uh, going on around me. And I knew I have this uh, knowledge base and this experience uh, that, you know, just a lot of people in this community don't have. And, uh, you know, they want to do what's right for themselves and do what's right for their families. And if I can help in some way, um, I'm just more than happy. I'm, I'm elated, really, to be able to have the opportunity to do that and uh, to be able to do it full time as like, uh, you know, my means of supporting myself and everything like that's, that's great. And I think we, everyone here uh, should, uh, or has the ability to do that themselves, I would say, um, to take that heroic leap. And, uh, and just, yeah, know how to say no, know when the right time to say no in your life is or to the world is and say, I'm going to build my own system. I think uh, it was a Buckminster Fuller, Fuller quote where uh, he said, you know, if the systems around you, I'm going to butcher the quote, I'm not saying it verbatim, but if the systems around you have become corrupted and unworkable, uh, there's no point in trying to, you know, work within those systems to change them. And the systems that we have now, you know, there's so much rot at the core of them that they're essentially unsavable. We just kind of have to let them collapse on themselves. They're already doing that. It's already a... a demolition controlled or uncontrolled you know who knows but um so essentially the second half of his quote is like you've just gotta build your own systems build new ones build ones that work better and we're now at the forefront of that we are going to we're building these new social networks right where um through platforms like telegram and everywhere else where people are really starting to share these new perspectives on things and uh that's going to be I would say the world moving forward, that's going to be how we should interact with each other because that's how we bring the humanity back into our relationships. Um, yeah. yeah well said, spoken like a true king hero over there. That's awesome. And uh, Research Bear was just saying, Ian is awesome. I just was talking to someone about, uh, talking to someone asking me what I think about kids being smart today. I told her, no, they are very dumb by design. It's very sad. We need more Ian's. <laughs> there you go. So you can oh, quote thanks. you can quote Research Bear on needing more Ian's. I agree, and that yeah, it would be it would be a next level where uh, you know people start to train others to do what you are doing. So no pressure in getting to that point, but um, right. that would also be a good step. And yeah, it's been fabulous to work with you. I really really thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm glad you found me. And that uh, I was able to support you. There's, you know, just was going to say that it, you can do things hard on your own, but sometimes you can't do them fast enough on your own. 
And the difference between doing the hard thing alone compared to doing the hard thing with somebody is a, a whole world of like, we've kind of thread, threaded this theme throughout the the, uh, the interview here that sometimes just that handhold is, is all you need for you to have that uh, level of comfort and that uh, input that you might not have ability to see the forest for the trees. Cause when you're lost in the trees and you don't see the forest, but somebody else does. And also the witness, the witness is very powerful. It's not nothing. It's not just that I'm seeing you. There's it's an, it's an infusion of energy that we give each other when we pay attention. And that's why I love this, uh, this format, this forum that we're in right now where people are devoting their attention to this and pooling the attention and growing the attention. That's the, really the food for us to grow and live on. Yes. And, uh, what you mentioned just there was also a key, a key point as well that I didn't say um, is the time aspect, right? Um, I knew what I, I had this vague idea, as I said, about what I wanted to do. But, you know, I'm seeing the world burning quickly. I saw what was happening to my students, um, you know, at the, you know, just because of what the education system was doing to them, as well as what, you know, a lot of their parents who might have been well-meaning, but were brainwashed by the whole PSYOP as well, realizing like, okay, the, the world is in need of, the world's in dire straits at this current juncture, um, and people need this help now. So if I try to develop this from basically nothing with uh, no one to sort of help me along, and uh, then you know, that's going to that, you know, that could mean all the difference in some person's life, some family's life, some kid's life, as far as, you know, being completely lost to the beast system, as I think someone said in the comments, which is another phrase that I like for is the beast system. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I knew, I, okay, I've got to get this done quick, as quick as I can, uh, without, you know, cutting corners, of course. So that was another huge draw to uh, working together as well. Fantastic. Yes, well, it was my honor. And uh, I definitely have an intention to come and see you and uh, take go glamping on your resort and eating <laughs> in your restaurant and uh, maybe get my kid in some martial arts classes that you might be having around there. Those kind of things. So yeah, let's keep holding that intention. And uh, yes, yeah, uh, you're just getting some appreciation here. But I think if uh, you want to go and visit, if you want to open your browser and go to ianspellmanlifeology.com, E-I-A-N-S-P-E-L-L-M-A-N-L-I-F-E-O-L-O-G.com. <laughs> Good job. All right. <laughs> I can uh, read letters. <laughs> <laughs> there you go and uh yeah just pop a, a note into his window there that uh he's got a, a form you can fill out and you guys can get to know each other and see if he wants to host you in his private telegram where he's uh telling all of his lovely stories and giving videos of exactly what's happening there i find it fascinating personally to to watch the development of something as opposed to just see like oh look how beautiful my world is i want to see the nuts and bolts and the you know the sweat I love the picture that you provided me. It's, it's got your sweat shadow there. This, this man is working hard over here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely not a dull day here. So I've got to cut my time between trying to uh, develop this course and everything with, you know, getting all this stuff moved around and, and built up here. But it's a nice mix between, you know, uh, the uh, sort of cognitive, you know, the, the cognitive philosophical work with like the honest 
just uh, working outside with your bare hands kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. good balance, which I think everyone needs. Absolutely. That's how life is. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Ian. And thanks everyone who Pleasure. joined in in the chat and uh, had, uh, made it more interesting for us with comments and, and some questions as well. Do take Ian up on a, an interview if, if you want to find out more about how your children and, um, and maybe yourself even could learn more about life this way and really practical, not trivial pursuit over at Ian's place. <laughs> Okay, everyone, thank you so much for coming and, and bye for now. Yep, thank you, everyone. Thanks for having me, Beth. My, pres my absolute pleasure. <laughs>